The incidents that follow were described to me exactly as I present them here, and in a wholly unexpected way. Who's this interesting old fellow? Don't you recognize him? May I invite you to dine with me tonight? And it will be my pleasure to tell you my story. But yeah, we're, I'm ready to go. I did watch that uh, Audrey the Giant documentary on HBO, and boy, did I cry at the end. Yeah. Like, Stacey had to come over because I was just like, he just, he just wanted people to love him. Yeah, it was just like, he was such a good man, and he just wanted to entertain. He farted for 16 seconds. Was it 30 seconds? Yeah, it was like 40 seconds. Yeah, the legend uh, continues. I, I, we, had, we had listened to the audiobook for The Princess Bride, uh, As You Wish. So it's like yeah. the story of making the Princess Bride the audiobook and had all the, the actors back and they're all talking about Andre and man, I wish I could have known him. Right? Yeah. I'm good now, boss. <laughs> Princess, okay, let's just talk about Princess Bride now because that's also one of my few perfect movies. As you wish. All right, so. <clears throat> Welcome to Three Hours Later again. Um, I met. I'm Alex. And I'm Mike. We are three guys that got into an internet argument and decided to record it instead. So uh, this week was my so un- unanimous that it was Mike's fault. Like he was wrong, right? That's fair. I'm the villain. Okay, I'll just be it. Um, he heard a bell and just decided to post something about. Yeah, you guys didn't see my face, but it was covered in soot, and I was like, mm, "I'm gonna just drive around on a dragon." Well, can't Is that it. you drive a dragon? You fly a dragon. You ride it. You know, it's a week away from not mattering. So okay, dragon flyer. <laughs> Why is it dragon flyer? Um. So this week I had my pick, and uh, just to recap, week one we watched Cobra Kai. Um, all enjoyed it. Last week we got weird and watched Mandy and I really want to avoid it going weird for a third week in a row. Um, I'll get weird. We will always be weird, but I want to give us something that's a little bit of a palate cleanser. Or you can't always be the palate cleanser because I'm just going to be constantly weird and you're right after me. Oh no, trust me. I will have my weird moments, but I just, I also, I wanted to watch something for me. Um, so, uh, my pick was the Grand Budapest Hotel. It is a Wes Anderson film from 2014. It is one of my all time favorite movies. As I was telling you guys earlier, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a, just as close as I can get to a perfect film. Um, quick, uh, quick synopsis of the movie. It's, uh, as I said, came out in 2014, set in the fictional war-torn European country of Zubroka in the 1930s. The Grand Budapest Hotel tells the story of two people, uh, Gustav H., the concierge of the hotel, and one of his employees, the lobby boy named Zero, played by Tony Revolori, who also plays Flash Thompson in the Spider-Man movies that what? are currently out. Yeah. Blew my mind when you told me that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, 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 it's not like he's in a disguise. You just don't think about it because he's just a different character. I and just, it's, like, it's a great actor. I went from hating him so much for like, <laughs> who is this guy? He's not Flash, what I think. And then you told me, oh, yeah, he's the same character. He's the same dude. Okay, damn, I love him. Yeah. 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 Um, so basically, the plot of the movie is the, the older man, uh, Gustav H., and the young boy team up and go on a crazy adventure in a... Uh, Post World War One, pre World War Two, pseudo European like fictional war too. Yeah, not because it's it just the country. It's not. It's all fictional because it's not Nazis, but they're Nazis. And yeah, it's um not th- those characters aren't Nazis. They're fantastic people. <laughs> the bad guys, right? Um, but yeah, so you know, 
just to give some background as to why I picked this, like I, I love Wes Anderson movies. He is uh, one of my two favorite working filmmakers today. Uh, anything Wes Anderson, I will watch and I will probably enjoy. What do you think your top three movies would be from him? From Wes Anderson, uh, Royal Tenenbaums, Grand Budapest Hotel, Life Aquatic. Hands down. Like those three, I, I've watched any combination of those three movies once a week since they came out. Um, but also like Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of my favorite animated mm-hmm. films. I think you can show that to any kid and just enjoy it. And I love that it is clearly made by somebody who's never made an animated film <laughs> and you can tell it's just charming. What um, about the uh, the recent one? Isle of Dogs is really good. A little bit problematic at times because it's just, I don't know, there's certain things that I wish they had thought about doing um, in terms of like representation of that movie. But if I take that out of the equation, I just watch this movie. Great movie. It's just like not enough poodles or something. Not anywhere near enough. No, it was just a, a lot of, there's just a lot of uh, like not any Asian representation in a movie that takes place in Japan. Japan. Yeah. And it's like these dumb things that it's like, man, you could have like you're an inch away from making like something people could have been behind, but it's a little rough. Um, even like Rushmore is the first like Jason Schwartzman movie. It's what people think of, I think, when they think of Wes Anderson movies. I totally forgot that was even his movies because I don't see that as... It's it's the in-between because yeah. his first movie was Bottle Rocket, which I also love I that movie, that but it's a weird... It's it's a weird movie, but it's not a weird Wes Anderson movie, mm-hmm. but you can see his voice in it. And then Rushmore is where he kind of hits like, oh, this is what I'm going to make. And then Royal Tenenbaums and On is where it gets... I like Darjeeling ...quirky as hell. Darjeeling Limited, I think, is super underrated. Um, but yeah, I think like the two greatest working filmmakers right now are Wes Anderson and Edgar Wright. Like those two, they make movies on a level nobody else makes movies on. Um, I think Jordan Peele might be at their level, but he's only put out two movies so far. So I need to see a little bit more from him, but there, there's very few people that understand the medium of film the way these guys do. And so that's like, that's the first thing that really got me with him is if you watch if you watch a Wes Anderson movie, it looks like a Wes Anderson right. movie. I'm going to throw in a John Carpenter to that for me. Yeah, well, I always like John, John actually, Carpenter. Actually, yeah. You know, that, very, very similar. Very, like, I, this might be the first time somebody goes like, yeah, Wes Anderson and John Carpenter are very similar, but it's they have a style. Yeah, they, have like a, you, they have a voice. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like the Wes Anderson films are kind of seen well, as like crazy hipster movies, which they are. How did, what, did, did you know anything about Wes Anderson, Alex, going into it? I, so this is your first this is my first so i wouldn't necessarily when i see all of his trailers it's not one that jumps out to me it's like hey i, I need to go watch that movie that's a, that's such a great movie and so i kind of s- literally stayed away from all of his movies not because of him not because of his style but because i didn't know about it and didn't really seem to appeal to me so when i you gave uh, us that challenge um you know it was the first time i really looked at any sort of wes anderson um one watching and two kind of <laughs> looking at details i probably like all right which uh nightmare are we gonna watch <laughs> west craven oh yeah i i had no kind of pre i don't know idea of what to expect so had right. like had you heard because i i'm like i'm in the bubble with wes anderson so what i get from it is whenever i've talked about him to people and i watch their eyes glaze over a lot of people see him as that like overly quirky like super twee indie director. Like he's like the Zoe Deschanel of directors. Except I like it. Right. And and that's the kind of thing is like <laughs> that's why I want people to watch his movies because I'm not I'm not shitting on Zoe Deschanel. Like she's fine. Whatever. I love New Girl, but his movies work at a level I don't think you get at a glance. If you just see it, you're like, okay, cool, it's quirky people I, doing I think, quirky things. Yeah. And I think this is like earnest quirkiness. 
Yes. Versus something like, um, what's that? Zach Braff, Natalie Portman movie. Garden Garden. State. I hate that movie. And it's because it's over the top quirkiness, and like they're you can see them trying to be quirky. I totally get that, and 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 I'll say like Garden State is it's got a weird soft spot in my heart because that movie happened to come out at the exact time I was the exact age to completely identify with those characters. The difference is with hindsight. I love Zach Braff. I I love I love him too. Well, and I watched it in my late twenties, so that might have been the thing. So then the the difference is that now when I watch Garden State, I watch Garden State going like, man, I was a piece of trash. Yeah. And so that's why I still like it. But like, no one stood in this spot before and gone. Woo! And and that's the I thing hate is it. like, it's for, okay. So yeah, like, pull your ear. That's a super. That's <laughs> actually a ear, super good comparison. It. I never thought about is like you can see that that movie's informed by Wes Anderson. Right. The, the symmetry of the shots, the color palettes, the using music as a character, um, the insane writing. That if you if you actually walked into a room and people were speaking this way, you'd be like, this is stupid. I wrote down though, like it's so charming. Watching this makes me want to talk really fast and really witty, right? In the same way that whenever I watch a kung fu movie, I kind of want to just do a couple moves in the living room. And so, like, I I love the fact that he's so unapologetic about his style, and like every movie that comes out is just more of his style. What did you think of it? Um, Like, since this is the first one that you've seen, like, did you pick up on like what makes? His style kind of defined, you know. And what did I, you think? That's kind of the best thing about this podcast to just be straightforward and honest. Because, you know, not wanting to watch this movie and watching the movie, I was so captivated because the way he shoots it, everything is like a, a smaller square inside a bigger bigger uh, rectangle. But there's something you have to focus on. But it moves at a certain pace where I'm just. It didn't feel like I watched the full movie because it just went that smooth from one thing to the next to the next. And I enjoyed some of the darker humor that kind of splits off to the side a little bit. But you don't really catch it until unless you like were really paying attention to it or like like there's this one scene where he's he's talking to um, about the will and uh, one of the other so-called like the bad guys is holding his cat. And, oh yeah, uh, woman the foes character. Yeah. yeah, he just like he tells them like, no, I'm not going to stray from this will. I have a job to do, and they didn't like it. Toss his cat. <laughs> just did he did he throw my cat? And yeah. it's one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Yeah, and told, it, in any other movie, you'd be like, oh no. I told Zazie I was going to use that as my new background, just the cat on the ground, like the little splat. And it, it kind of remind me of the um, what uh, Adam Sandler. He's um, he's playing hockey. Uh, and golf, uh, Happy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Gilmore, yeah, yeah, Gilmore, Happy and uh, he, you know, he, you know, from the window, he, someone like looks up and he's just shaking their head no, and it's just like, did they get inspired from that? Like, I don't know if like <laughs> if I caught that or not, if they they did or not. But um, I was kind of talking about my got off before this episode is where behind the, my back, yeah. <laughs> well, you took forever to get here. I didn't know. And then I'm like, should I leave now? And then Alex has a picture of just your front door. I'm like, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm last one again. I didn't realize he was here too. I was like running around trying to get this all set up that yeah. way if we needed to use it. And I, he was just out there. I was just out there like a cat. But um, where was I going with this? <laughs> but some of the scenes are not even like cinematically beautiful in, in my perspective because it's like a dollhouse or it's just like they're going up this elevator and it's nothing very special. But it gets the job done to go to the next scene. So it's what's really funny is you brought up the dollhouse thing. That's actually one of his. That's that's like his style. If mm-hmm. you um, 
a lot of his movies, there'll be these scenes where it's like cutaways of houses yeah. and it's moving room to room and it is like watching a real dollhouse. And I would almost, I would almost say that especially since I think like Royal Tenenbaums kind of started to get there, but it was Life Aquatic that really put it over the edge. He makes live action animated films. Mm-hmm. This is a cartoon. Almost like storyboard. Yes. More than cartoon, I would say. But um, I think the best way for me to describe uh, this one specifically, I haven't watched all of his movies, so I don't know if this is correct. But it's more like being like a like on a on a ride that's on a rail. Like it's just kind of just mm-hmm. it's going to where you need to see. You don't need to like look around on the screen because everything's always in the center. You don't have to look around. It's a, it's symmetrical. Like you can notice that right off the bat with most of the scenes, just because like the things to the side of what I'm focusing on always almost always look equal to each other. Yeah, and I, I think. What's so unique about the way he makes movies is that you can tell that it's just, it's very visual for him. Like he realizes it's a visual medium. Like if you're just going to make it about great dialogue, write a book. Yeah. But the fact that like you can take his movie and we could turn the TV off and just have the audio playing and it'd be an entertaining story. You can do what we have right now, which is we have it completely muted running in the background and you can actually follow what's happening. You can tell everything about it. It's, It's paced like a silent film. Yeah. With zero dialogue. Um, you could make it like it's in color and man, this like he uses color. Like this movie has pinks, purples, like it's not, but they're hiding. not bright. It's kinda No, it's very pastel, very muted. Reminds me of like grandma's bathroom or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> but and I mean it looks it looks like it looks like an art deco nightmare at times. Yeah. But um But everything has a purpose. Exactly you know? and, and and that's my favorite kind of filmmaker. That's why I, I gushed so hard over us this year. Not us in the room, but the movie Us. Us. Me and you Alex. Also us. We're pretty great. But an um, Alex show. <laughs> I I love when a filmmaker takes control. And that's what Wes Anderson, that's what um Jordan Peele's been doing, that's what Edgar Wright does, is that they don't show you anything that's not important. If it's on screen, you need to pay attention. If it's being said, it means something. And there's a flow to it. Like this movie can be an hour and a half. It can be two hours long. It doesn't matter because you're, there's nothing wasted. Yes. And um, I, I was looking on Reddit for like just what other people's opinion, opinions were today after I watched it. And just yesterday or the day before, someone had made a post about the Grand Budapest Hotel. And it was like on uh, unpopular opinions. And he said, I don't like this movie. And he said, I don't like it because it's boring it's long and I can't follow it. And I thought the complete opposite. Like I did not notice time going by when I was watching it. Cause it's like I said, it's like on a, it's a ride on a track and I'm just, it's just going like, I don't think it's slow at all. It's just, no, there's no like gunfights except for that one gunfight and you know, high action stuff. It's a lot of dialogue, but it's really interesting dialogue and most of it's nonsensical stuff, but it's still like just fun. Yeah. And, and I think it says a lot too that, I mean, if you look at the caliber of actors that show up in his movies, mm-hmm. And it's progressively gotten better. Like initially it was like, hey, he got Bill Murray. That's kind of cool. Never got rid of him. No. And that's the thing is like Bill Murray is a notoriously difficult actor. Like he doesn't do stuff. He doesn't does, have an agent. Does he help like direct these? Bill Murray? Yeah. No, he just gets a call and he shows up. Because I was reading that. So the uh, the scene when they escaped the prison and um, what's the guy from Reservoir Dogs is in this? Uh, Kytel. Harvey Kytel. Yeah. Amazing he, in this movie. Yeah. And when he slaps zero, I guess they had to like shoot that like 40 something times until Bill Murray was satisfied. So I don't know if he's like, I, they're just, they're, they're like best friends or yeah, something, they're, right? They're like, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a, I keep forgetting the name of it. When you have a group of people to do plays together, 
plays a, 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 oh, a um, company. Like a, it's yeah, like a company of players. A troop. Yes, a troop. Thank you. That's literally the word I was trying to think of. But I mean, like, look at this movie. So he's got uh, Ray Fiennes, I think, in probably his best role. Like, Ray Fiennes, Rafe Fiennes is a killer actor. I always call him Ralph. It's Rafe, man. Come on. I'm sure. Is. I'm wrong. I'm, I don't um, disagree. I just I don't. Ralph Fiennes uh, is a phenomenal actor, but I think this is probably his most charming. Like, this is where you're like, because he's, he is objectively a bad man in this movie, mm-hmm. and I adore him. Well, kind of the scene that we just saw, and um, for those that obviously can't see it, he's in the he's with Zero I hope across. You can't see us. I know. <laughs> Can I, you? Set up, I set up a camera. Hello. So he's talking to Zero, and he's drinking. You know, they're drinking wine, and they're traveling. And he's he's always elegant, right? He's always keeping up this this illusion that you know he's going to be this proper guy ahead of everything, got everything under control. And, he and then just he, the concierge of a hotel. Like yeah. never forget, he is just a dude who works in a but hotel. But when no one is there and he couldn't figure out something to say, he's just, ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that, it's a guy. That little bit right there is like, that puts it over the edge. Those are the details that matter. And you see why it matters as as the movie progresses. Yeah. And so like, and, and he's incredible in it. And then you have, Adrian Brody, who has just become an great insanely villain. great character actor, and, and uh, oh my God, Tilda Swinton, Tilda, Tilda, yeah. Tilda Swinton just crushing it. Under Did not know that was her until after makeup. I looked it up. Yeah, and uh, what she she's in like five hours of makeup for like yeah for like eight three, minutes of screen time, and in such a crucial role, and just so good, so damn good. Yeah, um, Willem Dafoe just Willem Dafoeing the hell mm-hmm. out of this movie. Like this is. I love that he brings his jaw out. I think that's really the yes. only change that he made, and he kind of looks like some sort of like like dog, like a like a, he, like a guard dog. Yeah, he's a cartoon character dog, yeah. bad guy, and he's great. Um, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldbluming it up in this, always, but he's phenomenal. Always great though. Uh, Harvey Keitel mm-hmm. playing a tough guy like he always does, but also charming and great. Um, Jude Law, like it, they're every actor you want to see in something is in this, and they're all so good. Uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, Bill Murray, Ed Ed Norton, dude, like his Norton, role is yeah. fantastic. Um, who's the guy at the beginning with Jude Law? Um, oh my God, Tom, wait, with Jude Law? Yeah, um, Gideon F. from Murray Scott, Abraham. No, Gideon from uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, Jason Schwartzman. That's the guy. Yeah, I forgot Jason Schwartzman's yeah. in this. And I, let me get my you know what I just? Re- why don't I have a? Why have not? Why have not? Why haven't I printed out a copy of Boy with Apple to hang on my wall? You should. I thought you were going to get two lesbians masturbating. Also that. That's clearly going to go over where Boy with Apple was. But you have to leave it there for a long time where it casts the dust where you could <laughs> clearly tell it was there before. Um, did it? No, it wasn't there. Uh, we said Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And, and then speaking of Boy with Apple, we see the already like kind of like the... Not really at the end of the story, but like we know everything went well because the painting's right behind him at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing too. Like the the framing of this movie is insane because it starts off in God, what does it start? It starts 16 in sixteen by nine. It starts at sixteen by nine yeah. in the eighties with um Tom Wilkinson playing Jude Law's character as an older uh older man telling his story. The author, right? Yeah, as the author telling his story, very famous author, as mm-hmm. established in the beginning. And then he's telling his story about when he met Zero. As an old man. As an old man. Zero's an old man played by F. Murray Abraham uh, being interviewed by Jude Law, who's playing Tom Wilkinson's character as a young man. And then the rest of the movie is Zero telling his story 
to Jude Law, who be like it's it's like this yeah. weird layer, and every it's like an Inception thing, and, and every time period has its own aspect ratio, right. which is incredible. In the eighties, it's the girl reading the book. Yep, it's the yes, it's the girl at the at the statue of the author reading the book written by that character. And so we go it's, in from the eighties, we go to the sixties. Yes, and then from the sixties into to the thirties, and that's where the most of the movie is taking place. And yeah, I was like, wasn't this in widescreen just a little while ago? Because the rest of the movie is just like a box. And the balls on this movie to have the first thing on screen be like, set your aspect ratio to 16.9. Yeah. And then to immediately never show you anything in 16.9 <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, this this is the movie that I've established. Because when I love something, I want I want people to watch it. I want them to experience it. And I think this is the movie I established is the perfect Wes Anderson film to like put somebody in front of because if you like this, I promise you, you'll at least like half of the rest of the movies he yeah. made. If you don't like this, you'll never like anything the dudes put out. Like maybe Bottle Rocket. Maybe. I think that's true. Because um, I do, I feel like some of his movies do bore me. The ones that I have seen. Not all of them. Like I said, I like Darjean a lot. That's my favorite scene. <laughs> God, yeah. The, the punch, punch, Zero punch. is not afraid to punch somebody. No. <laughs> and he has a good hook. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Tenenbaums was maybe a little too depressing for me. Yeah, Royal Tenenbaums was my favorite movie for a long time, like of all time for a long time, and it did hit a point where it is just it's still great, I'll still watch it, but I don't take enjoyment from it. Right. Um versus Should I watch it? Jeez. Oh yeah, you should absolutely it's watch not it. A bad it's still movie. it's still a phenomenal film, but it's, it's like this is joy. Kind of a, yeah. This this movie is pure joy. Is it pure joy though? It's well, it's as pure as I can get in this day and age. Um <laughs> Royal Tenenbaums is just a just a kill, and also that's I think one of the strongest overall cast. Like that cast is ridiculous. Angelica Houston, yeah. Uh, forgot the dude's name. The dude who was a dick to everybody in filming of it, and the star of the movie in one of my favorite movies. Well, totally I mean, memorable. Yeah, the most <laughs> memorable. Gene Hackman. Good God, I couldn't remember Gene Hackman. Um, Ben Stiller in like just a killer role in that. Uh, Owen Wilson crushing it. Luke Wilson crushing it. Uh, interesting, super interesting thing. The original movies that came out or that he wrote, his writing partner was Owen Wilson. Huh. Owen Wilson co-wrote Bottle Rocket, uh, Rushmore. Um, believe he did Royal Tenenbaums, and then they just kind of slowly separated. But Owen Wilson still stayed in all the films, right? Um, but uh, forgot where I was going with the Owen Wilson thing. <laughs> um, broken this nose. Point, this is awkward. Wow, uh, look at me. I'm a cowboy. Wow, now. I was disappointed there was no look at wow. Me. Look at me now. I'm, a, I'm in a hotel. Wow, look at this. is Wildcast. You want to ruin something for people, go to Disneyland, go on the Cars ride, and every time you go over a bump, instead of saying wee or anything like that, just go <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> I've done it like six times, and every time by the end of it, at least three people in that car were going wow. <laughs> Have you seen the lightsaber thing? Oh, yeah. They edited out the lightsaber noise. No one will see. Wow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I think like the other movie I would give everyone to watch, and the, the one I've watched probably as much as this is The Life Aquatic. That's my uh, um my my friend Jason is a big fan, and I think that's his, he said that that's his favorite favorite to movie. I uh I I think this is a better movie than Life Aquatic. Um, what type of tone would you say that one is? Because I haven't seen it. It's more I, mel- I own it's, it. It's slightly more melancholy. Okay. It's um. Cause supposed to be like a uh, like a Jacques Cousteau type character. Yeah, and the whole idea of the movie is that he is, you know, it's at a point where he used to be 
like Jacques Cousteau used to be a superstar. And then it became a time period where nobody cared anymore. And uh, the, the plot of that movie is his best friend gets killed by a shark that nobody else sees. And um, the entire movie is a quest to go find and kill that shark. So like a Moby Dick. Kind of. Yeah. Thing. But it's, it's, a, a, a shockingly emotional movie that I don't even want to talk about what the um, what happens in any way because like that's the surprise of it is like it's really a movie about what does your life mean mm-hmm. um and to this day there is a like this is not a spoiler it's literally the cover of the of the movie uh there's a scene that happens toward the end of the life aquatic where you just see Bill Murray and it's this amazing own or not Owen Wilson um Wes Anderson ass shot of like everybody's packed into this small submarine and it's this really cool, like super equal shot and Bill Murray's in the center and somebody puts their hand on his shoulder and he starts to cry. And like legit, like every single time that scene hits, like I break down and I don't mean like movie crying where I'm like, Oh, that's sad. That's I like mean, me watching Andre the Giant crying. It's yeah, it's hard sobbing. It's like me on the couch, just like life is beautiful and worth living, and it's <laughs> it's only worthwhile if you have family around you. Can't, it's, you're my rosebud. Oh man, um, but that, yeah, that, that movie affected me in a way that most movies haven't. But this is the movie that just for fun I will watch. Yeah, it's definitely a fun movie. So it's when you really think about it too. Like I had fun, but then when I kind of like sat down after it was over. It's kind of sad because it's just zero telling his sad story. Yeah, and like his life, and his life is not good, no. man. Like it's the- that's why I like this because I think the idea of it is it's about like, look, it doesn't matter what you're born with; it's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 character that we're all supposed to look at and be like, oh, that's the coolest dude in the world is a concierge in a hotel. That's not a cool job. Kind of a but, gigolo, and absolutely like a total gigolo, but you and kind of a con man, but. It's showing like, look, man, this this guy knows who he is and he loves it and he embraces it. And it's about Zero finding out who he is and embracing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't even talk about like uh, Sorcia Ronan's in this movie. Um, And she like, the only reason I know how to pronounce her name is because I watched the Saturday Night Live where she made a whole song about how you pronounce it. <laughs> but uh, she plays the, the love interest for Zero. And mm-hmm. that story is just. It's incredible and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and it's, it's so, so like, brief sad. too, though, when you get the bad news. And but it it's all earned. Every part of it matters, and it informs who the characters are, and it explains like why why when you're hearing older Zero's story that is really a sad story, he's not telling it in a sad way. No, um, I think I was reading someone else's review or something like that, but they made a good point where it's like. Really, this is what Zero wants to be doing, is telling his story. Like, Yeah, he, he got what he wanted out of yeah. life. He had an eventful life where he got to tell people about the adventures he went on, even if it was just this one real adventure. But in the way that that's kind of all that he has left, where he hopes you know someone will come look in and ask the story of the hotel and stuff like that, just so he can sit down with them at dinner and just do it all over again, because this, this was probably like the best time of his life. Yeah, I mean, his name is Zero, and he's at, at, the, at one point he's asking him, like, um, what's your experience, Zero? What's your, fa- you know, family. what's your family situation? Yeah. You know, zero. zero. And towards the end of the movie, you find out it's the same exact answer almost. I mean, he has this, you know, the Grand Budapest Hotel, but it's in shambles. Mm-hmm. It is not what you could pretty much say. He has, he doesn't, he has it, but doesn't. He does he have family? No, he doesn't have family. Yeah. Um, so the story he's telling is, to me was more of a a movie about mentorship and. He is loyal to a fault. I mean, mm-hmm. he he fights 
without a blink of, a, of an eye. Yeah. He will break him out of jail without a blink of an eye. He, um, I think that was one of the parts that kind of like got me to tear up a little bit was just when he says we're brothers, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, and, and you, you buy it because they earn everything that happens in this movie. Like there's not a, not a wasted moment, not a character beat that doesn't pay off. Like you're not walking away from the movie going like, I sure wonder what happened. They tell you what happened to everybody. Right. And he killed a guy. That's loyalty. <laughs> oh, the, the, just the entire pre, uh, prison, the entire prison, prison sequence. Must never is, be a candy ass. <laughs> oh man it's it's just incredible like this whole movie every time you go to a new scene it somehow steps up its game and every place where in any other movie it'd be like okay here's where we bring it down for a minute they do they give you a moment to like breathe but mm-hmm. it immediately becomes hilarious he plays into those squares <laughs> everything is squared yeah mm-hmm. and directly where you need to mm-hmm. see it at it's usually right in the center too yeah um, and I noticed that like just about every line is has urgency to it. Like as far as the dialogue goes, there's no like lull in the dialogue. It's just always like this, 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 and this, this, and then you know we're off. Um, so one of the things I think is really funny if you watch this movie because I'm talking about like it, it is a living cartoon. There is an entire sequence in this movie that is straight up stop motion animated, yeah. and also there's a lot of miniature use in the movie. It weirded me out. Like I don't like. Like so, stop motion, go motion stuff. Like just, it's like that uncanny Candy Valley for me. Well, so I think it's really funny that by this movie, he's fully invested in just like, no, this it's just, it's how he's going to do his special yeah. effects sequence. Instead of getting like an army of computers and like having them render it and make sure Refines doesn't like kill himself. They're just like, I'm going to make a clay character of him. Just have him bolt down a hill. Yeah, right. But, um. Establishing shots too. Cause I mean, the hotel, yes. the, it's all just. It, it's yeah. You know, like it looks amazing and you're like, that's a two foot tall miniature yeah. just chilling there. <laughs> Um, Why does he paint all the mustache? Just to be cool. That's so. what adults do. Oh, okay. Because what's what he wants to be, he has one at the end. I love the when he's rushing. To... It's all crooked. Yeah, <laughs> he's like that looks good. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, what's really funny is if you watch. So like um, in the Life Aquatic, one of the really interesting visual things they do in that movie is there is not a single real sea creature in the entire film. Every sea animal in that movie is stop motion animated <laughs> claymation and they do not ever comment on it. Like, it's not like, oh, what a weird, like, they're just like, no, that's what they are. This and they're the all universe. crazy cartoon things like sparkling seahorses and cre- mm. like, they just make their own stuff and it's just, they own it and it's mm. great. Um, and that was where they first kind of got into like how his, his movies got really cartoonish in, a, I think, a really great way. And then he made Fantastic Mr. Fox, which he made according to everything I've read about it, like it was not a great shoot. Like it was a dude who's never made an animated movie having to learn how to make one of the hardest forms of animation. Yeah. Go motion takes like years, literally. Well, and on top of it, like if you watch any of the, like the, the studio Leica animated films, they're incredible to watch. They're the ones that did Kubo, Kubo. Yeah. They did Kubo. They did like any, if it's a stop motion anime film you like, yes, they did. Okay. Uh, Coraline. Large Marge from uh, PB's big adventure. I, no, it's I, not. <laughs> who did that? The Kyoto Brothers. Okay, the ones that like, did, uh, I know killer, there was like some weird tie to something else because it was all Tim Burton to be with. Uh, killer clowns from outer space. The guys that oh, did that's that. right. That's right. Yeah. It was like, was it just the Tim Burton tie where it was like Tim Burton was on this, then on this? But um, they even when you watch like um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, like one of the interesting things about that is when you watch a stop motion animated film, the whole point is to not show 
the changing of the character outside the animation. Like you want to move it so it has to be fluid. Hmm. And Fantastic Mr. Fox, their fur-covered characters where the fur is never in the same place frame to frame and it gives it a really weird look that I think works. And then when you get to this movie, it's a short sequence where it's fully animated, but you can tell it's the same like, I'm just going to do it attitude where it's not about like making it look perfect and impeccable and that's probably what did the Uncanny Valley for me, too. Well, yeah, because they don't even try to make it blend yeah. in. They It's straight up for a five-minute period turns into a cartoon. But, um... That ski chase is one of my favorites, though. It's it's just... It's incredible. And it, it lets you... It lets them defy physics without you calling bullshit. Mm-hmm. It lets them just do a comical ski chase. And you go, okay, cool. This is what you do. This is the world we're in. This room that you can't fit in. This is part yeah. of the world. So uh, a couple really weird things about the movie. Um, I couldn't find a lot to back this up, but apparently Johnny Depp was the original choice to play Gustav. And I cannot think of a worse thing in the world because what I think you, the reason this character... 2014? 2014. Yeah, okay. No. Um, because that would have been the height of Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp that I am just sick of. And thank God all of America seems to be sick of now. I do feel kind of bad for him though. Yeah, I do, but it just... Man. But also, come on, be an adult. Yeah. But... It's weird because, like, if you watch this character, I think the reason Gustav works is because In reference he's... to your money problems, not the the, <laughs> the getting beat problems. That that's why. <laughs> um, oh, you just can't be a woman anymore. Be okay. No. Um, <laughs> but I think the reason Gustav works is because he's played so straightly. It's like he's not an over the top character. Yes. Um, the world around him is over the top. The things that happen to him are over the top. But he, as a character, is a. Except for that one, the, 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 and you think I murdered her, and then takes off. But even that, like, that's just more like a huh, and he yeah. runs. But it's not like you know that would have been hammed up by Johnny Depp. There's not a lot of ha- like yeah, he would have chewing done a funny scenery. Run. I think that's one of the reasons it works is because nobody is actively sitting there going like, I'm going to chew the scenery. They just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen In Bruges? Yes. That, I, I, that's I love that movie. Other favorite movie with him. Um, yeah, In Bruges. Did not like it the first time I watched it because I didn't finish it. I couldn't make it to the second half where it really gets good. In Bruges. Uh, God, did that come out? I did live in Fresno. Um, but I used to drive to Fresno when I lived on like Visalia and Porterville and mm-hmm. I drive here to see like weirder independent movies. And I think that was like one of the first, like not big movies as a weird indie movie that I got to see when I lived somewhere. I was like, I don't have to drive an hour and a half to watch this. I can just watch it. This is great. I, I worked on Blockbuster. So that's where I saw a lot of these types of movies. Cause we always had like the one copy of the weird movie, but yeah. it ends up being really good, but then you never see it again. Yeah. see up until that point, I was always the weird one that went to Blockbuster and rented that one copy of the yeah, weird movie. It. <laughs> It was either like all the full moon, the full moon horror movies like uh, uh, Puppet Master and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. And then like just whatever crazy indie movie came out. Uh, this was the highest grossing film of his uh, Wes Anderson's career. It made career. It made one hundred seventy five million dollars worldwide, which when you think about it, that is not a lot of money. It was the highest grossing independent film that year, too. Yeah. Um, it made one hundred eight hundred eleven thousand dollars of that in just four screens in its first week because it was only on four <laughs> screens. Because um, I remember when this opened up and I was furious that it opened in such limited release. And I had to wait, I think, two weeks for it to come here. Um, Didn't they have to, like, put out special instructions to play the movie on the projection? Because yes. Of the aspect because the aspect changing? ratio changes. Apparently, there was a big issue with people. Um, like, because the projectionist wouldn't, like, really watch it. So they would just kind of notice that, like, yeah, oh, this is play. wrong and yeah. freak out and, like, in a panic about it. Um. I want to stop saying um. 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 So anyway, if oh there we go. see the stripes are uh, very symmetrical. So this was also like 
because you would think Wes Anderson would be a because he's a critical darling. He's like a super indie. Like you think that's the kind of guy that Hollywood's all like fawning over, which obviously it is cast and they are. This is the first of his movies to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture or Best Director. Huh. And I think that is insane because. Did he win? No. Mm. No, look, it, and I, I've established like Twilight. he'll never win an Academy Award because he's a little bit too weird. Um, And that's fine. But it's weird to me that I think this is, is as good as this movie is. It shocks me that things like The Life Aquatic weren't nominated. Like that just blows my mind because I think that on paper, that's way more of a movie people can get behind versus this. Cause this is just super weird in a way that I adore. Um, 12 years of slave 2014 best picture. Yeah. That'll, that'll send the test time. That's a <laughs> killer movie. We all still talk about. I can't remember who uh, Harvey Keitel was modeled after, but it's supposed to be like an actual person. And he has that tattoo on his, yeah. uh, on our right Mav. It's supposed to be like death to all death, to cows or something. And cows are like their version of pigs. So I, like death to cops. Oh, here, here's the other weird part. So after Johnny Depp turned down the role, cause that's the part that blows my mind too. It wasn't even <laughs> that he was considered. He turned it down. So I mean, I don't get to be a pirate. I guess this is the beginning of him being a complete idiot. Uh, it was considered to go to Robert Downey Jr., who I would I would like to see that movie. I think that'd be pretty impressive. Sean know. Penn, Bruce Willis, and Ben Stiller. Like, there's never going to be another time in human history where somebody says those four names in the same sentence. Yeah. Sean Penn, yes. Ben Stiller, yes. Bruce Willis, no, for Bruce... anything ever. I'm just, unless, I'm unless so it's like a Tarantino thing. Um, what was the other one before those three? It was I Iron Man. Uh, oh, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. Uh, Robert Downey I, I think he would be too over the top for what this character was, like you were saying. I, I, I think, don't think he could play a straight. I think he'd be better as like the that. Jude Law character. I think yeah. as like the hey, let me interview you and see what's going on. God, even this scene, like we're watching it with complete science, and it's one of the few times where it flashes back to the sixties uh, and Zero telling a story and just the tears coming down his face. We can't even hear it, and I'm just looking at going like, man, yeah, I get it. I remember, I remember this part. It's very emotional. Then I realized that we got uh, Voldemort and young Dumbledore in the same movie. Yeah. In the same fan. And Flash Thompson. Uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite YouTube series is a series called Movies with Mikey. Uh, it's this guy, is Mikey it yours? Newman. No, I, it's <laughs> Secrets guys make that too. No, it's a dude named Mikey Newman who used to be a writer for uh, Gearbox Software. He wrote like the Borderlands games. Okay. He's also an incredible uh, film theorist, film essayist. And he makes these like eight to 10 minute long movies or shorts on YouTube where he just kind of talks about things he likes and why he likes them. And uh, if if you think this movie might be for you, you should definitely go seek out movies with Mikey's Grand Budapest Hotel. Like he just does such a perfect explanation of what's great about this movie. So what were your, uh, any, any scenes in the movie? God, like this. Oh man. See, now it's the part where Sorcerer Ronan's sitting there. All the lights are going around her face. I mean that. She's got Mexico on her cheek. The, like that's it's such a weird, interesting character. Just be like, we're going to give her a weird birthmark. Why? I don't know. And it's, it's going to look like Mexico. <laughs> okay. But even so like. I was disappointed the Hawkeye and, and Black Widow didn't show up. Because I was hoping this was the booty pet story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know what? Now I got to get really good with Premiere because I'm going to make sure that's it. And I'm going to recut Endgame and they'll be like. Sure, came a long way since Budapest. There'll be them just standing inside the hotel. Um. So, do you guys have like? Because I mean, this movie is almost like a collection of sketches. Like it's the it's like here's zero in the hotel. Then here is the train scene. Then here is um the entirety of the prison scene. Then here's how they get out. And then they're back in the hotel. And then there's the crazy 
like fighting scenes and all this stuff. But like, what would you say like is your favorite part of the movie? For me, honestly, so I have this quote up um, at zero talking about uh, Gustav and it's, it's at the end of the movie. And he says, to be frank, I think his world had vanished long before he ever entered it. But I would say he certainly sustained the illusion with a marvelous grace. And that summed up the movie so perfectly for me because it is, it's, it's true. I mean, he, he had this, his mentor that, you know, had everything, the Grand Budapest in such pristine condition. Everyone had its roles and around them, this war was going on. And up until the war kind of bled into their universe, um, he still kind of sustained, uh, tried to sustain that kind of pristine, you know, very nice uh, cologne, dress, press clothing. Um, and I don't know. I think that that was just perfectly done. Kind of like, just, a, like a diamond in the rough type of thing. Like there's chaos going outside in the real world, but this is kind of like a still civilized little gem. Yeah. Well, that, that's so. My my favorite scene in the movie is when um, the inspector brings his troops into the hotel, and it kind of becomes like a a war movie for the last chunk of it. And I think that's a really good example of like what you're talking about, where it just shows that it almost says like this world would not have changed had the ugliness of the rest of it come into it. Like this was a beautiful, pristine. Even if it was old, it was its own world, and everyone. It was a fairy tale. And, and then the war hit, and once the war hits, all the charm had to leave. Like all the mm-hmm. charm was killed, and but it, it's it was bled too, kind of into it with with zero story. Well, my parents were killed because of the war, yeah. but you don't get to see it. Not until it they took over the hotel. I mean, you you kind of see it when he's learning his job, and he's the keychains on the the hotel keys have that symbol. Um, I think the martini glass had a. Had a symbol oh, on the, it as well, like the pseudo Nazi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you could see that throughout his task, but that wasn't. That was a symbol that was there, and but that wasn't the focus. The focus was that he's learning all these different things, he's running around, delivering messages, but it's there. It's there throughout the whole hotel. <laughs> you see his like coded message that he sent. It was just like a couple of words or letters were backwards. That was his code. Yeah. <laughs> Well, even with that, I think that just says a lot about Wes Anderson, where he just, they like his, uh, and this is actually really apropos because, like, with this week with Game of Thrones, you're getting all the like backstory things mm-hmm. and all the documentaries about it, and like everyone's doing interviews with the guys, like he invented Dothraki and he invented this, and the reality is, I think it's nice when shows do stuff or, st- or movies do stuff like that, where they're like, we invented a language and we we made it work. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's a secret. I won't know if you didn't, if you just commit to what you did and tell me you made up a language, I'll believe you. And I love that in this movie, that's what he does. He's like, how do you crack my code? And it's a yeah. fun joke, but it, they didn't take time making a code. Mm-hmm. They just went, no, he just did this. Yeah, he's stupid. They don't reinvent <laughs> the wheel at any point. They just go, no, just um, go, just keep moving. And one crazy detail I, I read was that whenever you see like an actual newspaper, like there's actual news written on there. Like it's not just a headline and like a bunch of fake letters. Yeah. Like Wes Anderson actually wrote up an entire article about this fictitious war that's going on. There's and it's nothing. Just like crazy detail. It's, there's nothing that touches the screen that is not there for a reason. Yeah. And I mean that is that is my crack. That is that is the drug I'm addicted to. If you show me a movie, and every single frame matters and means something, it's that's magic. 
He parkours um, the shit out of that, though. <laughs> parkour, parkour. I think he has socks, and he's in the snow. Um, That's the crazy speaking part. Speaking of socks, and actually, I think this might be it. I, I think the Jeff Goldblum uh, death scene is one of my, my favorite ones. Just incredible the, scene. William Defoe just kind of hunting him down, but just like doing like a like a Jason Voorhees walk after him. Yep. But, and, uh, yeah, take, when he takes off his shoes just so he could be quiet. And then uh, when he slams the door in his hand, I was like, ah! <laughs> and, and that's the crazy part is it keeps the same, it keeps the exact same quirky style. It keeps the exact same color mapping and tone. Um, the music gets slightly more sinister, but it's still in the same world. Not going to lie. I didn't know he picked up his catches now. Oh, yeah. It was like the, the yeah. first <laughs> through. I was like, okay, he's just picking up I his I think it's actually like, they're, they're supposed to be like the blood stain on the side, but I think it's actually just like cloth that they sewed on for like the fake special effects. Yeah. And I think I, I like that a lot. But uh, it kind of gives it that cartoony thing that you're talking about. Oh, there's yeah. there's a cat. It's just so weird <laughs> that this the scene <laughs> has so much tension in it, and it's still a funny scene. It's an objectively funny scene, yeah. but you also are realizing like it's there's a sense of dread that happens here. And then when it ends, it's so much more shocking because up until this point, it's been a goofy movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to have repercussions hit where you're just like, oh, wait, oh, the bad guy killed someone. Yeah. But the end, the end hits so hard and so... Almost on passing. Well, it was just. Are you talking about like the second in, uh, part in the train? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's cool too because like it's the symmetry of you've seen that scene already in the movie and you're like okay and you don't I don't think you consciously think this but it's like well why are you showing me the same scene a second time and it's to show you here's what happens the other way right mm-hmm. like you got to see the fun version of it here's the real version and it's of even it. like black and white at that mm-hmm. point right yeah. Um, I guess none of the actual like murders and violent parts are on screen, which was interesting because it's rated R. That's because he said the F word once, and they have the or twice two lesbians masturbating baiting picture. Um, that's art, bro. You can't. It literally is art. It. That's the actual. I had, I, it mm-hmm. was on the IMDb page. The actual title of that piece of artwork. Like, oh man, every everything about this scene, like just the silhouette of him, the glasses being yeah, the one. This thing part you right see. here, specifically with the the suits of armor. Like every, everything in this scene could be a panel in a comic book, and I'd, I'd buy it. I'd, I'd yeah, it's like, yeah, like, a great comic. Like, see the yellow bastard in there. Also, just the his use of, like, just the the fact that in you saw what, uh. you saw six rooms in this. Mm-hmm. You have a layout of that place. Yeah, you know just from the way it was filmed. Like, oh, he went from this room to this room to this room to this room, made a U. He's back outside. You don't see him die. You just see the fingers hit the ground. You know what that means. You hear that like, uh... yeah. And then that weird French bulldog version of Willem Dafoe comes walking out. <laughs> he like never uses the gun that he he showed. Mm-mm. If this was Game of Thrones, it'd be like, why would they even show the gun? This is another <laughs> like Wes Anderson staple is that pivot shot where it's the, you can tell it's just the camera gonna, on the tripod. It's perfect 90 degree turns. I was going to bring that up because it, you can tell that Square again. squares and squares and, and it lines up though when it when it's completed the turn it's lined up with another symmetrical shot mm-hmm. like i i, I can't imagine I can't, I can't either <laughs> that's what i say i can't imagine the work like i wish i could think on the level of that like that's why as much as i love film and i love like examining filmmaking i know i could never be a filmmaker because you have to think at a level that i am just not capable mm-hmm. of this scene right here where he's officially escaped the prison had felt like another movie yeah entirely like it could have been its own individual movie it's one of my favorite psych gags right here is the death certificate for uh 
Jeff Goldblum's character. Oh. <laughs> the fact that it has this fingerprints on it, has the left hand, and then on the right hand, it's missing four fingerprints. Yeah. And that's just good continuity that's... because Willem Dafoe took them. Well, they even like said that on here because um, I think they had mentioned, I, th- I think yeah. it was um, Bruce Bruce Banner. Um, ben Norton. Oh, so this, yeah, is a, Norton, um, yeah. this is a Ruffalo household, sir. <laughs> well, he was though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he was talking about uh, missing the fingers, and I think they showed the the, the shot of yeah. the that certificate. Now we're just watching the movie. It's just a good uh, yeah, movie. this is just a good I mean, movie, guys. It's, it's another like Forrest Gump for me. Like I was saying, like I can't just have Forrest Gump on in the background. I gotta watch it. Oh yeah, like I'm guaranteeing you guys. Once you leave tonight, I'm just gonna watch. It's this gonna movie restart again. it. Like it's been on enough, and I've had to watch it in the background with no audio. That I'm just like, well, now I gotta hear those great, great words. <laughs> Like, uh, hey, <laughs> this fuh. Adrian Brody, first line. <laughs> and you know, I forgot about Moonrise Kingdom. That was, I think, the movie that came out I was gonna bring that before up. this one. Or no, directly after. It's right in the same range, but. Back when I was doing a movie podcast, the friend that I'd said, like, the Life Aquatic movie, like, that's his favorite movie. He actually had us do Moonrise Kingdom, and then we had to delete the episode because it was just, like, sobbing. <laughs> it's That is, I think, one of the most weirdly emotional of his movies. Truly. Trying to find more fun facts. And apparently the um, Zero's wife, you know, a lot of people complained that it was too short or there wasn't enough. Well, that was the intention is that their whole story was just omitted. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't supposed to be. I think her character was almost omitted, but they gave her a few lines, but it wasn't. I think she got a pretty big role. Yeah, no, she end, definitely I mean... got it. Got enough. And I mean compared to his full life or what you know what happened yeah it was kind of yeah but it's not zero. it's not a romance you know yeah exactly but i think it was almost it's better that way i thought I mean, it was good some of the best movies that in my mind are some it leaves the imagination to the to the audience of how how his life played out especially or, in an era where i feel like a lot of romances are just shoehorned into movies and don't need to be there at all I feel like this is how you how how you should add a romance to a movie that isn't a, a romance itself. Well, it's 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 so like delightfully mundane. It's not played up as like this big grand thing. You get to see he truly loves her. She truly loves him. Mm-hmm. They go on this goofy adventure together. Don't flirt with her. And very protective of her. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah calm down. <laughs> and but then like but that's why I like because it's just showing it's not like it's a realistic romance but it's just showing like you know it's not always about like a boom box and running out there and doing this it's just they had an adventure he loved her she died it sucks spoilers oh, who doesn't die in this movie we just see I think 10 you, dead bodies right now on the I was, screen I was gonna say July but I'm pretty sure he did die what was it what was that quote on this yeah because yeah, the movie begins with yeah. that author's dead and I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen any Wes Anderson besides this movie. It's kind of hard to talk about with it's very with visual. So much, yeah, it's very visual. <laughs> like Zero forgets to bring his wardrobe, change and, of clothes, and the perfume. But how could you? He still draws on a mustache. But the only time I really don't see him with a mustache is when he takes his um, girlfriend on the merry-go-round. Hmm. It's like the only time. I don't know why, if that was on purpose or if like that was... Try, I feel like he's trying to be uh, Gustav. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point of the mustache, because this is what he wants to be when he when he grows up. But the only time he takes that off was when he's with her in that merry-go-round. And he's trying to be, you know, he's him. He's him, yeah. All right, well, you got anything? Calm down. <laughs> we're going um, to do a live episode and restart the movie and riff tracks it. 
I'm just double checking right now to see if there's anything random that I forgot about that I want to talk about. Oh, did you watch that? Uh, I sent you the link for the Silent Life sketch, the Wes Anderson horror film. Yes. Like, first of all, I think it's a good sketch to begin with. But like, after watching Wes Anderson film, like mm-hmm. how, like that's the craziest thing. His style is so easy to make fun of. And I think it would be impossible for somebody to actually make a movie in his style and not come off terrible. Have you gone to the the subreddit, the accidental Wes Anderson? No. It's nothing but photos of people that are in like places that are like, this looks like I'm in a Wes Anderson movie. Oh man, that might be my new, like that might be my new subreddit. I sit on all the time. But yeah, it pops up on the, on the, on the top of Reddit every now and then. That's funny. Did you see the, I forget who made it, but all the Wes Anderson movies summed up. How they're essentially, um, you know, something happens. They have a plan. Something bad happens. They have a ethnic uh, <laughs> partner. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is that is very yeah. That's not not wrong. Those thing Royal Tenenbaums, right? You know what? So doesn't he stab him? Yeah, yeah. I I would I would uh, recommend Alex. Like, if you watch another movie after this, watch Life Aquatic. Um, just in general, like in life, not not just Wes Anderson, but um. Just for life. I think what's really interesting about that movie, just because he he gets performances out of his actors that you don't usually see out of other uh, filmmakers. Yeah, and the poor kid gets slapped like 42 times. Yeah. But um, what I think is really interesting is like Bill Murray's in, he's the star of Life Aquatic and he's in this. Bill Murray is so unlikable in Life Aquatic in the best way. Squares, I'm telling it you. It really is. Um. Owen Wilson in the Life Aquatic is like he's not a bad actor, but he's Owen Wilson. In the Life Aquatic, there's something about the character he plays where you just go like, "Man, this is a great character." Or Willem Dafoe in this movie is one of the most terrifying characters you've ever seen. Then the Life Aquatic, he is just so sweet and just like such a nice. He's like the heart of the team. And so it's just interesting to see like this one, this one filmmaker can take any actor and just be like, no, you're going to be great in this. Mm -hmm. Whatever I put you in, you're going to be great. Whatever, whatever role it is, you're going to be awesome. If you're a villain, you're going to be the most hated person in the movie. If you're a hero, everyone's going to love you. And the next movie, you'll be the villain and everyone's going to hate you. And we're going to make you run like a weirdo in the snow. Man on a banana train. But it's mostly that, just the, uh, that's really good. Pastels and symmetry. I, when I, uh, so when I travel, I will, uh, one of my favorite things to do is just take random pictures of architecture, just shots that are very symmetrical and look weird. And it took me until last year when I went to, uh, when I went to Scotland, I was going through my photos that I took and I realized like, I'm just trying to take Wes Anderson film, <laughs> like moments, like everything I take a picture of is like perfectly symmetrical. Like really like, like you're talking about the squares, like looking at like, well, this is a square inside of a square inside of a square. I like this. This is, this is mm. there. I must get different aspect ratios. Of this. Triangles are great because if you put a couple triangles together, you get a square. It's true. Uh, my buddy actually goes, travels a lot, and he actually recreates scenes from movies. He just go like all over the world. That's well. It's in one of my other when I travel. One of my favorite things is to go to where movies were filmed and just not even take pictures of them, just to see them. Yeah. And uh, and that that's something that like I that's that's one of the things that bums me out about Wes Anderson films because his movies all take place in this fantasy world where even if I wanted to, I couldn't really go get a picture of it or go, go stand in that area. Just make a miniature Budapest hotel. That's all. Yeah. I just have to go get doll houses and just take pictures yeah. up close. But I mean, like if I go to, I can go to New York and stand right outside the, uh, the Ghostbusters firehouse. I can also Bill Murray. <laughs> I, uh, when I was in Edinburgh, I, I took so much pleasure in like going to 
places that were featured in Train Spotting and Train Spotting Two, which are two of my <laughs> all time like Train Spotting. Given the right day, might be what I say is my favorite movie. Um, and it's just so like it's so weird to me to watch this. Even Star Wars, man, I can go to Disneyland now yeah. and live in Star Wars. But this is the one thing where I can't go stand in this. Like I can't like go into a pastel nightmare where everything's symmetrical and like talk to people. Well, like, I mean, you're working on weird. it. I'm, and it's it. You'd be shocked how much effort that takes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so to get to kind of like what the idea of the podcast is, you know, we're taking somebody either body work, show, movie, whatever, and just seeing if it's worth your time. So I think we're all agreed. Like it's probably worth our time. Um, I hated it. Oh man. <laughs> but uh, overall, like, you know, this movie is an hour and a half, two hours long. What, uh, would you invest in more time watching his movies or if the next, like he, if a new movie comes out next year, you think you might go see it? Um, honestly, I don't know. Like I, I do, what I have seen, I have enjoyed, but I don't really go out to find his stuff. Like, I haven't, you know, I, I totally forgot about the Isle of Dogs, and I haven't seen Life Aquatic, stuff like that. I I don't know. Yes, I wouldn't say no to it, but it's just not really something that I would go looking for, you know? Which, I'll even take that, like, because this is, this is all and I want to know. Like, I, and I enjoyed it. Like I, really, I, I thought this was a near-perfect movie, too. It was very fun. Um... But I don't know, it's because he, cause, cause he is, he does have a very specific style, and that might be because of it. So I don't know, Alex. What do you think? You know, I'm kind of the same way. I, I am now kind of a Wes Anderson fan. I thoroughly enjoy this. That's the uh, becoming a Wes Anderson fan <laughs> theme. Uh, Angel got his wings now. Apparently, so you become a Wes Anderson. Uh, pa- yeah. Past pastel wings. I definitely became a fan, and I'm definitely more interested in his other uh, movies. I will take the time to go, you know, check out the, his other stuff. But, but <laughs> it's not necessarily my forte either. It's not necessarily um, something I would go. Oh, there's a new one. I'll probably just wait till like it gets on DVD or some sort of um, way I could watch it. You know, if it was on Hulu, it's like, oh, cool. This is you know, have some time, um, time to watch a movie because it's one. It's his movies. You have to take time to really appreciate appreciate yeah. his artwork and the fine details that come in, into it. I mean, I blinked and I didn't see him picking up a dead cat. I mean, I, I missed the guys in the prison dying twice now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there's so much to it. Um, it's something that I don't really see too much in in movies where, you know, we get good action movies, but we don't get movies that tell a story. And I think Wes Anderson does such a good job of storytelling. Uh, he builds these characters. Um, he builds a universe around these characters, and it's it's amazing to see. And some some of the biggest things that happen in this movie, like I was saying, were just kind of offbeat like oh yeah this so-and-so died what wait 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 what what just happened <laughs> and um i don't know i don't know if i i would definitely i could watch this again but it would be on if i had time to watch it would you say that you've seen a bunch of these in theaters i'm sure right? oh yeah everyone i can do you think there's a like you have to see it in theaters type of thing like how I had with Mandy, where like for me it was a different experience from when I watched it in theaters versus when I was watching it again at home, and how it didn't really have the same magic for me. For me, yes. For most people, no. Because I think the difference with Mandy is there is a lot of detail you lose by going to the smaller screen. I think the reason Wes Anderson's films are so good is that 
he makes movies that are just you can like I said earlier you can take any part of it you can take the audio mm-hmm. the visual the visuals you can put it all together and it's great um I am a weirdo with a broken brain and the way I consume media is like I ha- I absorb it I don't even like watch it I just absorb it mm-hmm. and so for me like I still love the kind of the pomp and circumstance of going to the movies and going to the theater. Like I have a really nice TV. My house is convenient. I have access to any movie I want to watch. I'd still rather go to the theater to see it because there's something about the grandeur of it being on that giant screen. Right. And even a movie like this, which is a very small story that's done in a four by three, uh, four by three format for most of it. I, I just, I, there's something about it where I want to see it on a big screen. I want to see it in a theater. Um, but at the same time, like your, both your opinions on, I completely understand, you know, that's, and that's kind of what I was hoping to hear out of this was just like, if you, like, if I recommend another movie, you'll watch it. Yeah. You may not seek it out, but like, that's kind of all I want from him and his movies is I just want to be able to go to somebody and be like, I, I promise you it's good. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? Not everyone's going to like the Darjeeling limited, but I love it. And like I said, I like that one too. And I think what I meant too was that I wouldn't go out to theater. So that's why I wanted to know your opinion yeah. of theater versus home. More than likely, for sure, I would watch more of his stuff at home. As a pretentious film nerd, I want to see this blown up on a giant screen and just take <laughs> it all in. Like I'm all, like to to show the level of weird I am. I will go watch a movie in a theater, and if I liked it enough and I have time, I will walk out of the theater, give them money, walk back in, and watch it again. <laughs> um, and this is a movie that I remember I watched this. And the person I went and watched it with didn't want to watch it again right then, but loved it. And she went home and I stayed and watched the movie a second did time. Did you tell her that you did? Oh, yeah. No, she knew. <laughs> and then the next day, I drove back to the theater and watched it a third time. So there's a handful of movies that I will have seen like three or four times in the 24-hour period. And this is one of them. See, I, I can't do that at all with a lot of movies. Like even if at home, for the most part, I, I, I don't think I've seen a movie more than like five times. I watched Endgame five times in the first 48 hours I believe it was it. out. <laughs> but I but, do want to start doing it now because I, I do lose a lot over time as far as my memory goes with, with a lot of movies that I've seen. So I do want to, I guess, kind of go back through and rewatch a lot of stuff that I enjoyed. Well, I'm also broken in that I use like movies and media as a way to tell you where I was and what I was doing at a given time. So I have this weird ability where if you, it, like, if you need me to remember a circumstance, the way I work backwards is I have to remember what the most recent movie I saw was around it. <laughs> who I was with and then I can break down and tell you when it was and all the stuff around it. Again, my brain is broken. It's cool though. Yeah, see see for me when I go to movies, I I essentially want to be entertained. You know, there's busy work schedule, busy this or that. You know, I want to go and watch something and be entertained. And to me a lot of Wes Anderson movies or it seems like to me at least for this movie is that it's it's art, you know, to a, his art piece is is movies. And I don't necessarily want to go to the museum every single day, right. you know, and, it, see, and that's that is <laughs> when I go on vacation. That is all I do is go to the museum. <laughs> but it is I don't want to say that this is bad in any way, shape or form. If I'm going the frequency is probably gonna be smaller, but the times I do watch it, I will enjoy. And I, I mean, this is the second time I'm watching it kind of sort of without the audio. And I'm still catching things that I didn't fully concentrated on the movie yeah i just finally caught the name of the uh the, the ss was the zigzag, zigzag. Yeah. or something yeah um zigzag and i get division. that too because i did this is one of the few movies where i do realize you know movies really are art because a lot, a lot of other times it's just like uh, robots fighting robots fighting 
but this is like this is art like i could see yeah. it oh yeah and, and that's the, that's another thing i think is really cool is that like before this came on we were watching the first five minutes of bumblebee yeah robots is just one of my all-time favorite moments is just seeing like my transformers on the screen shockingly shockingly good Oh, it's so good. Very but, um, good. I want to watch it now. Soundwave. I love the challenge. I love the fact that in one medium I can watch good, but admittedly trash like Transformers. Yeah, like you know your popcorn versus your yes, and then like, I can turn around and watch this and feel better about myself. <laughs> this is this is the stuff I watch when I realize I'm the person that went to Edinburgh last year and spent an entire day going to an exhibit of uh, old magazine articles from the 1800s <laughs> because I'm insane. Quite. But also, truly, truly, I was at Comic Con the year they announced the cast of the Avengers, so I get to live the, those two parts of my life where I go like, "Yes, I love the popcorn," <laughs> but I love the popcorn so much more because I've done my homework. So, uh, the last thing I want to touch on before this: so, did you guys? So, this movie, <clears throat> this movie, based on just kind of when it takes place, the soundtrack isn't as prevalent as in some of the other movies. But did you notice, like, because that's another big part of his movies is he works very closely with whoever does the score and he mm-hmm. picks all the music by hand. Um, did any of the music happen to stick out to you or did it like just was it just like good background music you know it was kind of uh, watching Mandy and then watching this movie yes I did it Mandy had such a high volume middle kind of sound that took over it mm-hmm. really took over sometimes more than the cinematic piece to it and here it was more of a it, it did add to it but it didn't need to be overbearing to do it if that makes sense yeah, because this movie was kind of a departure because most of his movies will have like a 60s era yeah. folk rock style to them. And this was really interesting to get like the the like yodeling and the... That's the just only part really... that stuck out to me, yeah, was the, the whatever the yodel song is. And yeah. I think that's what they end it with too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um... Yeah, because like even like Life Aquatic, because I'm going to just talk... This is really just where I talk <laughs> about Life Aquatic. Um, Life Aquatic was interesting because like it the soundtrack for that, there's... Two of them. Uh, this was one of the movies. Uh, some of the other movies that was done by Mark Mothersbaugh, who's done a million things from Devo. Um, fantastic. Everything just died. My headphones died. Um, it's my, just... my headphones just like actually ran out of power. Oh, what? They're plugged in. Yeah, hold on. Take out the noise thing. reduction. The future. Nah, I'm fine. Um, but Mark Mothersbaugh. Uh, has a very like synth heavy sound. He did this, the score for Thor Ragnarok. Um, and he has a specific sound to him, but in the life aquatic, what they did was Mark Mothersbaugh did all the, all the music and did the score. But then one of the actors in the film is also a uh, singer. I can't remember his name and I also don't want to pronounce it, <laughs> but uh, he's Portuguese and there's a second soundtrack album for the life aquatic, which is all his singing. And every song he sings in that movie is a David Bowie cover. <laughs> So, like, one of the albums that I have on frequent rotation I listen to all the time is Portuguese David Bowie covers. (laughs) Um, And that's the kind of just dumb nonsense I usually wouldn't get out of one of these movies. And in this movie, because he has to still be Wes Anderson, even though it's a fairly straightforward score, like, there's an instrument used in it that's never been used in a film before. Like, he just always has to find some dumb thing where he goes, yeah, we could do it otherwise. (laughs) Let's do it the hardest way possible. And for just a quick sight gag. And it pays off. String instrument, right? Yes, yeah. I care that it's like starts with a B. It is insane. Like it looks like you can't spell it. Batar. No, there's way more syllables <laughs> than that. Violin. It's a butt guitar. Wow. Um. 
I got nothing. Yeah. That's how we end it now. We just go, <laughs> I got nothing, and we all call right, it a well, day. Bye. Um, I, I, def- I do recommend the movie, though. Like, um, I think all of us do. So check it out. Yes, please do. Please give me more people to talk to about Wes Anderson films because this is this could be a side job for me. And if you would like to discuss about Wes Anderson films with us, you can find us at... Let's see here if I get it all correct this time. It's going to be on Twitter, the number three, HRS underscore later. And Facebook and Instagram are the same. Uh, number three, HRS later. All one word, no underscore. And www.threehourslater.com. And so next up is... I'm proud of you right now. Yeah, I'm pr- pretty proud too. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's Alex's choice. What are we going to be doing next time? <sighs> you know, there's so many different shows, movies, games out right now. But we have a quick turnaround in our next recording, thanks to me. Um, so I am going to do, to do something that I want to do. I want more people to talk about. Ultimate Frisbee. Yes. No. <laughs> it is the... How do I say it? The fun, whimsical, need more people to talk about, and probably good, easy watch is Letterkenny because it is fantastic. I've heard you guys talk about this nonstop. I have no idea what it is, even exactly. if it's a show or a movie or what. So I'm excited uh, yes. right now. <laughs> like yes. You have no idea. Like, this is the only thing that could excite me as much as Wes Anderson. Guys, two <laughs> weeks in a row, like, I don't, I don't think I do the podcast anymore. This is too good. <laughs> And yeah, so Letter Kenny, uh, I'm so glad you haven't seen it because I always feel like we always have one at least. So yeah, left out because right. I, I like this. I don't watch a lot of movies, dang it. So every movie, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be. I'm gonna be like, I don't know anything about this. But Letter Kenny, I know too much about. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, this is gonna be a fun one. So looking forward to to your next podcast because Letter Kenny, here we come. So it's a show, right? It it's is a show. show. It's on Hulu, and it's it's about Canadian Hicks, and that's all. I'll see. I'm in. Are we, uh, so we're starting season one, episode one, and just move on from there? Uh, Yeah. Sounds good. Oh, man. Better Kenny. All right. Well, God, you may have found the one thing that will get me to not watch this movie again tonight and instead just go watch Letter Kenny. (laughs) Uh, You got two screens in the room. I have three and an iPad. So you can watch. And a mirror. Oh, my God. I can just go exponential. (laughs) Minority report this. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Should we say we're on Spotify or iTunes or oh, yeah. well, Google Play? Just listen. I guess if they're listening, yeah. they know. We're on the thing you see us on. We're on the thing that you're seeing us on. You guys have all day parking?